You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jen Wilkin and JT English. At least for now, I'm here, you know? Uh, maybe maybe I'm headed out, uh, you know? Uh, I there was uh, when we announced confronting Christianity uh, was coming out. I got a, I got a few messages. I think Jen, you got a few. I messages. did. Everybody thought Kyle was abandoning knowing faith. I mean, people were upset, and I tell you what, no one would have been more upset than me uh, because Kyle, Kyle won't say it, but we all know Kyle is the glue. Like JT and I are like, Hey Kyle, say some more words so that we can jump in and say whatever we want. And so, uh, we really need Kyle to not leave. Facts. (laughs) No guys, what we're learning is that Kyle is a vampire who never sleeps and is willing to take on an additional thing. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, one day we will have created all the podcasts and it'll be like that quote from, uh, or that story about Alexander. He he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. Uh, one day we'll have all the podcasts that we could have and I'll just be, I'll be sad because there will be no more podcasts left to make. Uh, we just, uh, we're just out there making these podcasts. No, I thought it was hilarious because if people really knew the kind of browbeating the two of you would give me if I even remotely suggested <laughs> Walking away from this podcast because we're oh. lazy. Uh, <laughs> well, not only are we lazy, but we have we have the stuff. We have the stuff in the file to make sure you'll never leave. <laughs> well, that's so that's true. we're lazy, of, incompetent, yeah. and manipulative. That's yeah. The, what you're, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the 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 overwhelming amount of uh, blackmail that the two of you have on me uh, <laughs> is so substantive as to bind me here forever. <laughs> I okay, am, uh, I know there's there's bad audio of. Me me is there any of jt have we gotten him on anything well no i mean yeah but i've never said anything worth worth you guys keeping (laughs) oh you don't know but i actually i actually record all of our offline conversations okay then i'm in trouble i'm in trouble (laughs) (laughs) and my bad audio i think is just me singing some music We've got you singing ACDC. There's actually. Oh, no, we've got some other ones. That's right. (laughs) We we do. There is a couple. There's one from early back when we were still recording at ACDC. I'm not going to name any names. That was, I did not say that. Are you talking about the one where I said shoot, but it sounded like I said, oh. Nope. Nope. I'm talking about a time when uh, you had just gotten off the phone with somebody who you were very frustrated with, who is a uh, w- would be a notable name in evangelicalism. <laughs> they had been asking for your opinion on something, and you felt like they were about to stick their foot in their mouth, and you were like, I think, and you just said, you were you said it jokingly because you love this person. You're uh-huh. grateful for this person. You're like, I think that you just said their name is a dummy. And I was like, oh, I looked over at Brad. That's a term through, of contempt. Mm-hmm. I looked at, I looked at Brad through the window production and he gave me the nod. Like I got it. Like, he, was like <laughs> he, I was like, okay, good. Which is a silent nod of agreement that yes, it does exist on a hard drive somewhere. Um, that feels but, super safe. Well, that whoever, person would, I don't even remember who it was. So I'm I just going to exactly, say if it ever comes out, I, I didn't, I was, I was in the moment and I apologize. Yeah, I know exactly who it was. And this person would think it was hilarious. <laughs> they would think it was hilarious. They would be the best sport about it possible. I also remember, I don't remember what they the probably sentence think I'm was, a dummy but, too. <laughs> but you said flip, you said flip once in a sentence and the sentence made sense with other words too, though you were not saying yeah. that. 
And so they just— I wasn't Christian swearing. No, 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 no. But they just bleeped it. And so in the sentence, it's like— Oh, oh. so rude. <laughs> but you were—you didn't say anything wrong. But just so we know, we have it. Yeah, we have it. We've got dirt on each other. None of us are leaving knowing faith. Although you should go check out Confronting Christianity uh, with Rebecca McLaughlin because it's an awesome podcast. Uh, hey, today we're talking about incommunicable attributes. What is God like? What is God like? Incommunicable attributes. JT, have you written a book on the attributes of God? I, I have not written a book on the attributes of God. I have written one on the Trinity, which now means okay. that I got to talk a lot the last few episodes. Jen, <laughs> the show is yours. <laughs> yeah, I did tell Jen before we jumped on. I was like, all right, sis, you're the only one who is published on the topic. Uh, go for it. The road is yours. So we're going to be uh, we're gonna be uh, throwing some softballs, trying to tee things up so that we can see some home runs. No, truly, if you haven't read None Like Him, uh, what are you waiting for? Uh, uh, if you haven't read None Like Him, what are you waiting for? There's none like that book. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, there we go. Sorry. See what I said, Kyle, is just indispensable, I am, guys. I'm the glue. <laughs> yep. uh, hey, let's start with this. Uh, the, I'm asking the questions out of order. I know you both have seen the run sheet. Let me let me, let me me move this in a different direction because I want to start differently than the first question I have here. What's an incommunicable attribute? First of all, let's talk about what an attribute is. Have we talked about that yet? I feel like we haven't. Nope, at least not in a long, long time. So a simple definition of an attribute is something that's true about God. Um, but it's not just something that's true about God. Like it doesn't just describe his actions. It's something that describes his nature mm-hmm. or points to his nature. And so um, everything that is true in his actions is revealing something to us of his nature. Now, we're not always good at connecting what his actions are saying about his nature. And so that's some of why it's so important to to meditate on his attributes as we see them play out in Scripture. Um, but the incommunicable attributes um, if you think about that word incommunicable, it means not transferable. Maybe that's a good way to say it. In other words, they're the things that are true about God that are only true of God and are not true of anyone else. And so they are the things that are true about God that do not become true of us as his image bearers. So we know that we're made in his image, um, which means that in some way we are a picture of the nature and character of God. But we are that in limited human form. God's incommunicable attributes are the ones that describe him in his unlimitedness. So therefore, while there may be some way that we relate to them, we never take them on or imitate them. And I'll be making the argument repeatedly during our next episodes on the incommunicable attributes that one of the primary ways that we commit idolatry is when we do try to take on or appropriate an incommunicable attribute, something that is only intended to be true of God. Yeah. That's well. There you go. Um, sounds like you've written on the topic before. Uh, how are God's attributes related to God's nature? Are they something that He possesses, or are they words to describe who or what God is? Yes. Okay. So God possesses these things, but He doesn't possess them as objects that exist independently from Him. Right? They, they're, they're, right. they're, a, they're, a, uh, they're who He is. Like God doesn't just have love; God is love. It's because God is right. love that God demonstrates love. Right, And he doesn't turn one off to turn another one on. I think that's another thing that it can be confusing to people. And so, you know, you'll have stories in the Bible where you might see God acting in a way that is revealing one or two of his attributes and perhaps not another, but it does not mean that that other attribute is not 
in full function, you know, or that he has stopped being a God of love when he is being a God of wrath or justice. And so those are things we'll have more time to explore as we go through each of the attributes. But, and it's, and you really want to be careful in the way that you think about those things. Um, You can say too much or you can say too little along those lines. Um, And again, we're dealing with um, an invisible God, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's one of, that's actually one of his attributes that I don't think we're going to talk about specifically, but we we can't see him. Uh, Everything that we know about him visibly, we see in Christ or in the way that he has acted um, throughout human history as it's recorded for us in the scriptures. And so this, this is a hard thing to talk about, but it's a really, really important thing to talk about and often an overlooked thing. JT, why don't you just get us going on, um, what are some examples of, uh, of incommunicable attributes? You, you pop off a couple, Jen will pop off a couple, and then I'll wrap us up. I think the three ones that would come most simply to us is, is the omnis, omnipresent, omniscient, mm-hmm. and omnipotent. That's saying that God is, is he's omnipresent. He's everywhere, not in the sense of like how a pantheist would describe it, like he's not in my table, but he's all powerful everywhere. Like there is no place in his creation that he can't act and he can't and, and then that he can't act powerfully that's his omnipotence that he is he is that he is not only the one who created the world but he sustains it by the word of his power he is the powerful one mm-hmm. and he's he's also the one who's not only everywhere and all-powerful he's also all-knowing that he is this god who's omniscient he knows all things he governs all things he he's the one who is moving all of world history towards its just end of of worshiping jesus so the omnis are the ones that we often want to grasp after which we'll talk a little bit about like we want to be all powerful. We want to be all present. We want to be all knowing, but we worship God and we rightly say he mm-hmm. is the one who has these attributes, not us. That's what makes them incommunicable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I would say it's good to start with um, thinking about that God is mm-hmm. infinite because that means that God is not bound. He is God unbound. And so in, and so in the omnis, you hear that God is unbound by space. Uh, he's unbound by time. That's eternal, right? Um, he is unbound by, um, in his, in his ability to exercise his power. Um, he is unbound. So if you think about omnipotent, uh, omnipotent is, um, he has all power. Sovereign is he has the right to use it. Um, that's a really, I mean, we'll talk about these more, but, um, and that is all related to his being unbound. And so, um, he is unbound in even the number of his attributes. So you'll hear us talk through some of his incommunicable and his communicable attributes this season, but the number of things that is true about God is infinite. Um, and so he is unbound in who, in who he is. Um, and but but the things that we can understand about him are, and that we need to understand about him are available to us. Everything necessary for life and godliness. Um, so when we talk about God being um, um, incomprehensible, there it is. Um, we're we're not talking about the fact that he cannot be understood at all. We're saying that because there are an unlimited number of things to know about him, a limited right. human being will ever only apprehend a certain number of them. Um, but 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 enough has been disclosed to us, you know, for for life and godliness. Have you ever wondered what is God's heart towards you? In this noisy world, God's heart beats hard with love and mercy. But how can God share his heart with us when he doesn't have our attention? You're invited to spend 100 days discovering the beautiful, merciful heart of God with Overflowing Mercies, a new devotional by Craig Allen Cooper. 
The Lord is not ashamed of you or quick-tempered toward your faults. Each one of your weaknesses, faults, frailties, and failures does more to arouse God's love than to stir up his anger. If you could fathom in some small way how warmly God truly feels about you, the faintest grasp of his immeasurable affection would reduce you to tearful wonder and heartfelt gratitude. As God's mercies are new every single morning, overflowing mercies will continue to be a constant well of refreshing comfort, encouragement, and strength. It's perfect for personal quiet times, family and dinner table devotions, and small groups. Let this devotional help you get intentional, stay connected to God, and continue loving others. Order your copy of Overflowing Mercies, 100 Meditations on the Tender Heart of God today at moodypublishers.com or wherever great books are sold. We live in a possession and money-obsessed culture, but what does the Bible say about generosity? In his new book, A Short Guide to Gospel Generosity, author Nathan Harris shows us that the answer to our obsession with possessions is turning to the gospel, because only in the gospel can we find the type of life transformation that enables us to turn our focus from ourselves and back to others, to give generously, and to follow in the way of Christ. To learn more about the book, visit GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. That's GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. I think sometimes we talk about the incommunicable—you were already going there, Jen. Sometimes the way we talk about the incommunicable attributes of God, it does kind of incentivize what feels sometimes like the, oh, well— God is so great, so majestic, that uh, so mysterious that it's beyond our comprehension at all. Like this idea that if God is so other, mm-hmm. is it possible for us to truly know him? And I, I do appreciate mm-hmm. part of the sentiment there, part of the because part of the sentiment there is, is grounded in what is uh, what is truthful, at least partially true, which is that mm-hmm. we cannot fully know all that is fully God. We it's not. It's not mm-hmm. possible. It's not because there's a restriction on God's ability to reveal himself accurately. And it's not to say that God has mm-hmm. not revealed himself accurately. It's merely to say what you just said, which is that because of the infinitude of God and the finiteness of us, we will not know mm-hmm. all that God is. And one thing that is, uh, I think, particularly interesting, when I teach on heaven, uh, I just wrapped up a series on mm-hmm. heaven, when I d- teach on it in our discipleship program, uh, you know, one thing that often will shatter people's illusions is that like heaven is not going to be a place where at some point we will come to know all that God knows. That's never mm-hmm. going to happen. Uh, it, right. And you might go, well, we have- Or all that God is. Right. Because mm-hmm. we, and they'll go, well, we have forever with God. But even right there is a distinction between what is an incommunicable attribute of God and something that is not true of us, which is that God is eternal. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't mean that God lives forever. It means that he has always been and will always be. Always been. You and I don't have that. We have not always been. So no. even when we get to heaven, forever will be a one-way street for us. It is not a one-way street for God. It goes infinitely forward, infinitely back, no beginning, no end. And subsequently, it's not that we will not fully comprehend God because of some lack in God or lack in his ability to reveal himself accurately. He certainly can reveal himself accurately, and he certainly has revealed himself accurately. Scripture testifies to that, and so the church is affirmed. It's that because of our limitedness, we're never going to be able to fully grasp mm-hmm. that. 
even with the perfect revelation of God. That's right. I think, and I, I can't remember which theologian said this, but the finite cannot contain the infinite. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was me. Um, and that's, <laughs> and, and, but what's great is um, we're not finite because of sin. And so this is by design. And I think that can help us to exhale a little bit. I think the thing that kind of cracks me up though when, when it can feel like, and I think we're going to feel this as we walk through the topic, like people are like, this is hard and overwhelming, but you know what? I know God loves me, so I don't need to really spend a lot of time trying to think about this. Um, and, and we can be like, well, if God yeah. is not able to be fully known, I, it's such a big topic. I'm not even going to try. And, um, and so I think about like, here's a human example about God's incomprehensibility that kind of brings it home to me. So one of my children, my oldest son has a, um, he has a PhD in material science. I have about three sentences that I can say to tell you what he does in his current job. Um, but here's what I know. I love him mm-hmm. and I want to know more about what he's doing. And I know that I am limited in my ability to understand it. Like, He's smarter. He is an expert in an area I will never be an expert in. And so, but because I love him, I want to know what he's doing and understand it to the extent that I am able. Um, not just so because I love him and that will terminate on me, but because when other people ask me what he does, I can tell them. And so I think that this is why it's important for us to think about, um, not just God's communicable attributes, the ones that we're more familiar with, but these, these that are harder for us to think about or that we've spent less time thinking about because we love him and we want to be able to understand to the extent that we're able. And when we love someone and understand them to the extent that we're able, we tell other people about them because we can't believe that we're connected in relationship to someone like that. So this is, to me, is a very practical exercise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bobby doesn't say it that beautifully, but he makes the same point in his kind of simpler systematic theology on it's called Our Reasonable Faith, more recently published as the um, works of Marvelous Works of God, I think, Wondrous Works of God. Mm-hmm. He says, he basically says that if you know the God who's given you eternal life, like he talks about God grants us life, and then he says this, once we've received that principle of eternal life in our hearts, we cannot mm-hmm. but long always to know more of him who granted us that life. And so he's saying like, once you've come to know God in the simplest of ways, I'm a sinner God loves me in Christ. He's accomplished salvation for me and I have eternal life. It's actually mm-hmm. impossible to stop there because this eternal life that's been granted to you is supposed to kind of well up in you in a desire to know God more deeply and continually. It never ends. Because Kyle, you're right. In heaven, we will not become finite and we will not have a full comprehensibility of God. But for the next 500 billion years and then more, mm-hmm. we're going to keep knowing more about him. It's not that our knowledge of God stops. Mm-hmm. It's that it never stops. It keeps going forever because he is this wealth and this well of perfections, goodness, and beauty that will never be exhausted. And and it means that our love for him will grow for all eternity because the knowledge of God is never a dead end. It's always exactly. a means to an end. And so like we know this in our human relationships. We know that you meet someone and you start to learn about them. And the more you learn about them, the more you're like, this person is amazing. I want to be around this person. I want to spend time with this. Maybe it's a dating relationship. Maybe it's just a really good friendship that's about to develop. But then at some point in that human relationship, you learn something about that other person and you're like, oh, this was going great. And then then I learned that about you and that's a crashing disappointment. And now I have to question everything else I know about you. Um, and, and with God, that doesn't happen. Um, 
there are no skeletons in his mm-hmm. closet. You can only learn increasingly of his perfections. Now, I want to qualify that by saying, in our experience of life, we sometimes perceive something as a negative reflection or a negative disclosure on the character of God. So, for example, when a difficulty comes your way, it will cause you to question, is God really good or does God really love me? Um, And that's why I actually think that we need this fully orbed vision of God. As much as we can know about Him from Scripture, we should seek it out. Because in a time of crisis, when you do question the, the relationship with, with the divine and perfect God, um, you're going to need to be reminded of all the other things that you know are true about Him um, to, to get you through, even if you can only assent cognitively in the short term and your affections follow maybe sometimes years later. So... Um, That's why, again, I think this is just a really practical um, thing to meditate on. Yeah, and, you know, it's almost like, it's not just practical, Mm -hmm. it's wonderful, right? Like, people don't, people aren't turned off by going to the Grand Canyon because they can't see everything (laughs) from any one angle. (laughs) It's like, it's not like people are like, oh, man, you know, uh, when people go to the Grand Canyon, they come back and tell you, you should go. They use language like you can't possibly see all of it. Like mm-hmm. it's unbelievably mm-hmm. big. Like it's startling. Like when people stand on the beach mm-hmm. and look out at the ocean, they're not like, wow, that's beautiful because mm-hmm. it's contained. It's it's beautiful because it's like immediately comprehensible in its entirety. That's the space of wonder. And wonder is the fertile soil of worship. Mm-hmm. And so the incommunicable attributes elite are provoke wonder. They provoke mm-hmm. the gap. Um between our finitude and God's infinitude. Mm-hmm. And in that gap, there is the invitation to wonder, which is always the invitation to mm-hmm. worship. And I think sometimes people will go, even as we approach deep doctrine, and we all have in our teaching, our writing, our preaching, whatever, we have approached the uh, topics that are too wonderful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Such um, knowledge is too wonderful for me. I cannot contain it. Yep. Exactly. And the, and, but I think when people hear that sometimes they can kind of enter a place of almost, uh, like a spiritually approved resignation Mm -hmm. to be like, well, I can't, we couldn't grasp it all. So we'll just Mm -hmm. stop. But that's not how, like, that's not what beauty provokes. Beauty doesn't provoke that. Beauty provokes, uh, an acceptance of the invitation to say it is too wonderful to grasp. And yet I will continue to look upon it. I'll continue to gaze upon it. Um, and even though it, 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 it startles me into a sense of my own limitedness, mm-hmm. I'm still going to step into meditation upon it for that very reason. Yeah. And we're dancing around a term that we probably need. And that is the term transcendent. God is a transcendent God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you think about the song of, uh, Moses on the other side of the Red Sea. What do they say? They say, who is like you, O Lord, among the nations? And the answer is, no one. The song doesn't answer itself. And you see this other places in scripture. It's it's like the the most uh, 
obvious rhetorical question you can ask. Who is like you? No one. There is no one who compares to you. Um, the God of the Bible is transcendent from his creation, not in a measurable way, but in an infinite way. So um, I think that it's A.W. Tozier who talks about how you could measure the difference between a grasshopper and a human. You could you could quantify mm-hmm. the difference in motor skill or in thinking ability. You know, you could lay a quantity on that. Um, but you cannot quantify the difference between his image bearers and him. It is an infinite distance. He is not like us. And I think this is something that we don't we don't talk about enough. We are in a day and age, I would argue, where our impulse is to try to make God like us and in, 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 to form him in our own image. Uh, I don't know that there's ever been a time in human history when that hasn't been the case, um, but I do see it particularly pronounced in some of the circles that I land in. We want God to be imminent without being transcendent. We want to know his nearness and his familiarness. We d- we don't want to think about the the God who is so other that it is disorienting and terrifying and then reorienting and awe-inspiring uh, in the next few moments, which yeah. is, you know, what you find in, in in those places in Scripture where someone beholds a transcendent view of God. Even just to, one of the things I've found helpful in thinking about this distinction between transcendence and imminence mm-hmm. is they're also guarding us from other theological or doctrinal errors. So, for example, we one of the reasons we need to emphasize transcendence is because it saves us from, for example, things like polytheism or pantheism, mm-hmm. that there are lots of gods and that God is in all things. Yeah. Like, we want to say, no, there are not lots of gods and God is not in all things. Mm-hmm. He's everywhere, but he's not, like, in his creation mm-hmm. the same way that maybe some, like, uh, people in my state would say <laughs> that God is in creation. It's real. Like, it's a real yeah. serious problem. So Christians are the ones who turn our eyes to the heavens and say, God is above all things. God is transcendent. He's elevated above and separate from his creation. And what we'll talk about in our next episode when we think about communical attributes, that saves us from things like deism, mm-hmm. that God is so separate from his creation. Or it saves us from things like atheism. We say, God is love. God is near. God is close. God gives us joy. And so transcendence and imminence need to be held in this tension because going one way or the other results in some kind of weird polytheism or pantheism or deism or atheism. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly right. You know, we were talking about um, – incommunicable attributes of God. We're talking about the uh, the fact that God is transcendent. He is other, and yet he draws near to us by grace. His presence is imminent. And, uh, you know, part of this, are you guys very familiar with the, oh, doctrine of divine hiddenness? Yes. Talk about it. Basically, the idea that part of the gap that we experience here is, uh, is a gap that in God's infinitude, we cannot fully grasp all that he is. There is a part of the divine life of God that is hidden mm-hmm. from our view. I mean, you even see this a little bit in the story of Scripture with the veiled faces, mm-hmm. uh, with the, the Holy of Holies. There is a, a, a motif, a theme in Scripture that is clear that uh, there are some things that we cannot gaze upon uh directly mm-hmm. or Im- immediately. Mm-hmm. And by immediately, I don't mean time. I'm uh, like, uh, in terms of like right now, I mean immediately in terms of no mediation. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about Isaiah's reaction to being pulled up into the throne room of God. He, Isaiah's immediate reaction to that, one, there is divine hiddenness in that instance because he is not seeing all that God is in his 
uh, unicity, so to speak, in his very being. His, You're his, coming his up with all kinds a, of that's words. That's a today. new word. I'm going to look that up later and see if yeah. it's real. But for now, keep going. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, but we're not seeing it kind of uh, it, uh, without mediation. But even Isaiah's reaction to being in the presence yeah. is, I shouldn't be yeah. here. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I got to get out of this place. So I do think that part of uh, when we think about the incommunicable attributes of God, uh, part of it is that there is a, uh, a view, I would say, of God. There is an, an immediate view of God that is not accessible to us by design. Mm-hmm. Like, it, we can't – we cannot grasp or glimpse who he is – in an unfiltered way, mm-hmm. because it is not for us. It, it, I, if, if it's too bold to say, I think it would be uh, accurate to say that uh, it is not appropriate mm-hmm. for us to see all that God is, all who God is, in an unmediated, immediate way. I, I, I don't think that. The, so part of the the gap between our comprehension of the incommunicable attributes of God is de facto, it's going to be there because he's the creator and we are creature. And it is part of the distinctiveness and distinction that must maintain even in a fellowship relationship between the creator and the creature. I don't think that it's not like when we get to heaven, all of this is just going to be, we're going to just see it all unfiltered. We're going to see it clearer, mm-hmm. but it's not going to just be like, we get up there and it's like, oh, that's, even to use the language is inappropriate, but it's like, oh, that's what God the Father looks like. It's like, no, it's not going to be like that. Well, and I would imagine you even came across this as you were in your your sermon series on heaven. Like if you think about the images that we see in Revelation of worship, um, they're not they're not saying oh, we get it now. Like, we understand him completely. They are still operating from a posture of he is so much more um, than we can ask or imagine, right? Like, he, he's so much more than that. Um, the worship that they are expressing is that worship that is that is rooted in a God who was and is and in, and always will be a transcendent God, a God who is um, who's not like us. And so when you think about the incommunicable attributes, I'm going to run through a list of them just really quickly. Infinite, which we've been talking about. You know, he's not bound. Incomprehensible. Uh, he's not able to be fully understood, but he is able to be understood sufficiently for salvation, sanctification, everything we need. Um, self-existent. That means that no one gives him life. He is the origin of all life. Um, self-sufficient. No one provides for him. He provides for all. He doesn't need anything outside of himself to be sustained. Uh, eternal. He's not bound by time. Immutable. He is not bound by the forces that lend us to change. In other words, he is unchanging. Um, <clears throat> one of the ones most people are a little familiar with because we know about the imagery of him being a rock that we find in the scriptures. Um, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, and sovereign. So those are just, that's obviously not a full list. That's the that's um, that's a starting place to talk about these things. And so then, if you think about what happens in the garden, I think it helps us begin to see how we were supposed to relate <clears throat> and how we now relate in a fallen world. Because if you think about what the serpent proposes to Eve when she sees the fruit. 
He says, God knows that on the day that you eat of it, you will become what? Like him. Like God. Which is a super weird thing for the serpent to say because they already are like God. In Genesis 1, they were created in his image. And so whatever it is that the serpent is offering to Adam and Eve, it is a way of being like God for which they were not created. Right, Mm -hmm. that's right. Um, And what is it? It's self-rule. Like probably the simplest way to describe what's going on in the garden or one of the simplest ways is to say he offers her self-determination, self-rule, which is something that only God has. And so, um, and so the, the, the first invitation into rebellion is to say, I want to be like God in ways I was never meant to be. So then we begin to look around with an eye toward what does God have that was not given to me that I want? And I think we're going to see that it's, it's these things that are on the list. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I want to, um, we just came out of three episodes diving deep on Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, are the incommunicable attributes true of all the persons of the Godhead? Is the Son of God omniscient, JT? Is the uh, Spirit of God, third person of the Godhead, um, infinite, uh, self-existent, self-sufficient? Yeah, yes to all of those things. Because there's only one God. There aren't three gods. And God the... And even when we get to communicable attributes, we're not going to because sometimes we can think about like, well, God the Father is wrathful and God the Son is merciful. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's just not true. Every single attribute of the Godhead is true of each person of the Godhead, perfectly and simply true of all of them. And so you see, and that's and the, again, there's some pastoral weightiness to this of like when you think about the omniscience of let's just say, for example, God the Holy Spirit. Paul elevates this for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 for a group of people who are wanting to know God in deeper ways. He's like, if you if you want to know God, you need to have the Holy Spirit because nobody can know a person's thoughts except that person himself. And you can know God because you're full of the Holy Spirit and he can offer you a knowledge of God that is true. Again, not exhaustive and not not infinite, but is a true knowledge of God. So so be full of the Holy Spirit is his, is his point here because he's the only one who can offer mm-hmm a knowledge of God through Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that, yes, we distinguish persons, but we don't distinguish between attributes in a person. Mm-hmm. All of the persons perfectly and equally share of each divine attribute. And I would say, I would just add to that, that he is eternally these attributes. And so he does right. not become merciful at a certain point. The, the the Godhead has always been all of these things. Yeah, that's right. And, and yes, we're just going to keep parlaying off each other mm-hmm. and it is always all of them mm-hmm. like he there's never a time mm-hmm. when god is being loving and not just mm-hmm. there's never a time when god is being just and not wrathful like he's not acting in one of them which is a little hard for us as finite beings to understand because we we have personalities mm-hmm. in a way that are finite and people experience them in finite ways but the easiest example here is at the cross at the cross is god being is, is is God demonstrating his wrath at the cross? Yes. Is God demonstrating his love at the cross? Yes. Is he demonstrating mercy? Is he demonstrating mm-hmm. holiness? Is he demonstrating yes, so like all of these things are always true. And I think sometimes in our in our like spiritual lives where this I think has some pastoral payoff is we can think, I did not have my quiet time today, and the person in front of me at Starbucks 
you know, spilled their, you know, turned around and spilled their drink on me. God is punishing me. <laughs> you know, we can like act as if like, you know, th- things that are happening in our lives is God demonstrating one attribute towards us. And that's not true. God always is being merciful to his people. He's always demonstrating justice in his pe- to his people. So like God, God doesn't express his personality the same way that we do. He's just being God towards us always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, hopefully we had some measure of success in communicating what is incommunicable uh, today. Uh, <laughs> next episode, uh, we'll be talking about the communicable attributes of God. Uh, JT, have you written a book on the communicable attributes of God? I have not written a book on the communicable, communicable <laughs> guys, attributes of God. Are you going to be this dumb the whole time? Now who am I calling dummies <laughs> on well, air? There we go. Full, full can you circle. beat that out, Brad? <laughs> yeah, please. Please, yeah. Uh, that way the audience can just fill in the gap with what they think might have been said. Uh, you can find Knowing Faith on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can leave us a review. Drop a question in your review. When we get to our Q&A episode at the end of the season, we'd be happy to take it into consideration. Don't miss our sister podcast, Family Discipleship Podcast. Uh, in Confronting Christianity, in our next episode, we're going to be looking and discussing the communicable attributes of God. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Grace and peace. Peace.